Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio, it's time for Family Business Radio. Showcasing outstanding family businesses and the advisors who assist them. Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Family Business Radio, where we highlight the origin stories and inspiration from family business owners. I am your host, Anthony Chen with Lighthouse Financial. We have four incredible, outstanding guests with us today. So for starters, let's welcome Cappy Arneson with Fosmer & Whitmer Insurance. Nice to be here. Thank you. Thank you for coming. So kind of getting right into it, what inspired or what got you into the insurance field? My dad started the agency in 1976. I'm a second generation owner. Uh, when he passed away, I've, had barred, I've been in the business since May 1st of 1995. Mm-hmm. Now, going into it, did you kind of figure this is what you wanted to do pretty early on? Or? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> I, you never want to go into the family industry. So I became a social worker, worked for DFACS for four years. And then when I cried, when I got a promotion, realized that there was a problem. And my dad was like, you can come into the family business. I was like, ah. <laughs> so I did. Mm-hmm. And I have never regretted it. Mm-hmm. Now, did you ever thought, well, maybe I should have gone into it a little sooner or did you feel like you had to go through that journey? I think I had to go through the journey um, because with what I do, I specialize in the hard to place risk. Mm-hmm. The best part about being a social worker prior to it is I use those skills to help my customers obtain what they need and to help them get solve their insurance problems. Mm-hmm. So I call it social work, uh, you know, insurance social work. I was going to say, it sounds like you're kind of a therapist just with an insurance wrapped around it. <laughs> Basically. Great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, kind of looking into uh, it, with all the different types of insurance, how does, I guess, occupancy affect the kind of insurance on what you have? A lot of people think that if they have homeowner's insurance that it covers whether you're there or not. Mm-hmm. And But insurance for dwellings is occupancy driven. So you have owner-occupied. You have tenant-occupied, and then you have vacant, mm-hmm. okay? So owner-occupied is for just that, owner-occupied, mm-hmm. because you have pride of ownership in a home, and you're going to make sure that a claim doesn't keep going, okay? You're going to stop the water. You're going to turn off the water if it, if it starts flowing, mm-hmm. if a pipe bursts. Um, a tenant may or may not, and if it's vacant, there's nobody there to stop it. So that's why the different types of coverage for the types, for the dwellings and the occupancy, mm-hmm. okay? The second issue with owner-occupied is people think, well, my ch- my son lives there. Well, technically he's a tenant because he's not the deeded owner oh. unless you don't charge him rent and it depends on the carrier. So you have to, there's a lot that goes into determining what is an owner-occupied home. Mm-hmm. Now, is that definition kind of universal or is it dependent on the carrier? Pretty much it's universal. There are a few carriers that if you don't have a lease and you don't have rent, that son can be owner-occupied, mm-hmm. but it's but that's pretty rare. Mm-hmm. That's very rare. That's the exception to the rule. Okay. So what happens if, let's say, someone gets uh, canceled or non-renewed for their insurance? Well, many times people can get canceled for by some carriers for three claims in three years, mm-hmm. and, and that can even be for a zero paid-out claim, just call in for advice, and oh. they put the claim on the record. So I, I deal with that a lot. If they get canceled for non for claims, non-renewed, mm-hmm. then I go to the market and I represent 
10 different homeowner markets that I can get them rates for their owner-occupied home or their the other occupancies. But I can get them rates for that home with the claims and it's excellent coverage. Mm-hmm. So they're not sacrificing. They're going to pay a little bit for the claims. They may have a separate deductible for if like that was too many water claims. Mm-hmm. They may have a water deductible, but then a regular uh, all other peril deductible. Mm-hmm. So, so it's going to kind of look at you mentioned a little bit about counting against them just by calling in for advice. I mean, are people aware about that? No. <laughs> no, they're not. Now, and it depends on your agent. You know, some agents are really like, okay, you know, do this, this, and this. You always have the right to file a claim, mm-hmm. but do this and see if you truly want if you if it fits in the need to file a claim category. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So it sounds like it would be best that they follow up or reach out to their agent first before just to the company. Pose a hypothetical. Mm-hmm. hypothetical situation. Don't tell them it's actually happened because if it's actually happened and they're that type of person, they may actually put it as a zero paid out claim, even if they don't actually file it. Mm-hmm. So okay. it could go on their record. Yes. Now I'm assuming, is that also the same for any other kind of insurance, not just dwelling? Um, I, I'm the type of agent I'm going to give advice to my customers. So, you know, if there's not a, if in an accident, situation and parking lot Mm -hmm. if there's no ticket involved and they call me and they're like what do i do i'm like assess the damage figure out how much it is since police weren't involved it was on private property you can cover it yourself and it just goes into thin air Mm -hmm. and nobody ever knows about it so it it does help to know how your agent works with you and what their approach is Mm -hmm. to to advice Certainly. Okay. Then looking into what is SR22 or SR22A? Okay. So for the drivers out there who (laughs) are habitual offenders, multiple DUIs, Mm -hmm. they may be required by a court uh, in Georgia to obtain an SR22. It's a certificate of responsibility um, where they have to maintain insurance for whatever time frame the judge uh, requires. Mm -hmm. Can be six months. Can be up to three years. So the SR-22 specifically is for multi, for habitual offenders of like DUIs like that. Mm-hmm. SR-22A is for drivers who get caught driving without insurance. Oh. It can be one time and it can be over multiple. It can be a habitual situation. Mm-hmm. So, and I've seen it up from six years to three years. Mm-hmm. I mean, six months to three years. And what does it mean when, when a company says that they're bonded? So bonding has to do with um, typically an employee dishonesty bond. When they when a company says that they're bonded, mm-hmm. they are they are saying that if their employee comes into your premises or your place of where you live, they have an employee dishonesty bond. So if they are convicted of stealing something, they have to be convicted. Oh. Then there is coverage to protect that homeowner or that business owner. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, it's very inexpensive, but it has the conviction clause, which which is what makes it so inexpensive. Mm-hmm. So it can't just be for, well, yeah, I think he stole my diamond ring. That doesn't work. It has to be a conviction. Mm-hmm. So looking with all these other policies out there for an employer, how many employees does an employee need to have under them to get or be mandated to have workers' compensation? It's three or more, mm-hmm. three or more in the state of Georgia. 1099s is a little bit of a gray area. 
um, subcontractors that you that. But if they solely work for you and they get a ten ninety nine, if the if the workers comp shows up and they want to see your work comp and you're like, but they're all ten ninety nine people. Mm-hmm. You've got a little bit of gray area, and they could require it, especially if that person is solely working for you. Oh, okay. So it's three or more, including owners. Mm-hmm. So for the three or more, are we are they also accounting for full time or mm-hmm. part time? Let's say, for example, there's Everybody. four people. Oh, every, just individual, not just there's- including the owner. Okay. Yeah. How, how often do you run into someone who are just not aware or educated on? Oh, every day, uh-huh. uh, literally five days a week. Somebody is like, "I didn't know that." Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm. That's what I'm here for to mm-hmm. tell you what you're required to do. And do they don't always do it because mm-hmm. they haven't been required to or asked to do it yet. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like there's a lot of, I guess, information that business owners are simply not aware about. What are the kind of, I guess, the top three other than this caveat on the workers' comp that they're just not aware of, but they definitely should be for the business? Well, there's general liability. They 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 need to have general liability. That's really for, you know, trip and fall uh, if it covers the activities of their business, mm-hmm. there's workers comp, there's bonding. Um, you can need professional liability. Say if you're in a financial services um, or an insurance agent mm-hmm. or a medical doctor, there is a professional liability that could be required. Uh, accountants, mm-hmm. same thing. They need professional liability because they're giving you advice. Mm-hmm. So it would sound or prove in terms of a follow-up for business, not just to talk with an accountant and an attorney, but they should probably talk with someone like yourself. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Especially at the start of their business. I like to help them get going on their business because it, it, we can tell them what they need. They may not purchase it, but they mm-hmm. know that they need it so that when when things pick up, they can be like, ah, I need to call Cappy. I need to get that professional liability that she was telling me about. Mm-hmm. So how early in the process of, let's say, for example, someone's thinking of opening a business, they're having a talk with a banker, they're having a talk with, let's say, uh, a leasing office mm-hmm. to get an office going. Um, how soon in the process should they ha- reach out to someone like yourself? It, it, within the same day, mm-hmm. honestly. I had one gentleman that he's hadn't even formed his LLC. Mm-hmm. Talking to him today, we're, he's buying his truck, hasn't purchased it yet, but we're getting him the coverage quotes and telling him what he needs so that it's part of the business plan. Mm -hmm. If you're formulating your business plan, you need to go in and include insurance in that because it's a cost for the, it is very important. Mm -hmm. So I guess kind of look for us to look behind the scenes. So if I'm a business owner, I'm coming to you, Gabby, Mm -hmm. can I share with the audience as to what that might look like? Well, we're going to, in terms of the phone call, phone call or so they can, you know, schedule an appointment with us call us. We're going to say, tell me what you're thinking about doing. What mm-hmm. are you, what, what, th- what gives you the ability to do this? Mm-hmm. Many times it's, they've worked for AT&T for 20 years mm-hmm. and they're like, I'm tired of working in corporate America. I want to start my own business. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well you need to definitely look at forming an LLC or a corporation, get an accountant um, and, I can help them to get coverage, even with that 20 years experience. They don't have prior insurance experience, Mm -hmm. but they do have the years experience to give them the ability to do, to know how to do what they do. And so we will, we'll take the information. What do you think your gross receipts are going to look like? What do you hope Mm 
to have for employees. And we will formulate, we'll contact our underwriters and get them a rate. Um, now, of course, it's a crystal ball question. Mm-hmm. And they're formulating, they don't know. They We tell them not to go over exuberant because it is a startup business. Mm-hmm. Be realistic in what you think you can do in the first year. Mm-hmm. And that's a crystal ball question for sure. So for someone, since you kind of brought up a little bit about someone who might have been in corporate America for 20 or X amount of years, they say, you know what, I'm done with this nine to five. Mm-hmm. I want to go out on my own business. And you, you mentioned a little bit about being able to take some of that experience or years that have accumulated mm-hmm. as a consideration mm-hmm. for the underwriting. Mm-hmm. So it almost sounds like if someone who didn't have that experience going to a field, would that weigh against them? It can affect their discounts that they're... Um, and their rating factors, they can. Mm-hmm. Um, not significant, but the prettier the picture we paint for our underwriters mm-hmm. with experience, credentials, certifications, the, the better our rates are because they can, they can make it feel like it's not as expensive. They can apply as many discounts and, and make it a cheaper price for them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So just kind of, uh, Sticking out loud here would mm-hmm. be, let's, let's say, for example, if I'm working for a corporate, let's say, in, in large construction, and I decide to go into my own little construction company, those years of experience would actually be for my benefit, it sounds like. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, they'll ask for a letter of experience if you have a resume. Some actually don't because they've worked for, you know, this particular carrier construction company for so long. Mm-hmm. But they do have, they can formulate a letter of experience and tell them, this is what I've done. And there are maybe the five largest company, you know, projects they've done recently, mm-hmm. uh, what it all it entailed. And they'll, and they will look at that. Mm-hmm. They'll also want to look at the website Certainly. that they're formulating. So when someone's coming to you with, without this knowledge, but they just know they have a corporate job and they're formulating their own business, uh, what is the top three things you want to bring to light that they probably are just not thinking about? Uh, definitely the legal entity, making sure that they're protected, that they're not a sole proprietor. Mm -hmm. I don't always, I, there are plenty of people out there that are sole proprietors, but that doesn't provide any protection. Mm -hmm. That's where you get an attorney in to help you formulate that. But I always recommend doing, forming an LLC, uh, you know, a a corporation through the state of Georgia, secretary of state. Uh, next thing would be insurance. Uh, making sure that you have enough coverage to protect your assets. Mm-hmm. Um, they may think that they only need, you know, 300000 in liability. But the reality is most of the companies that they're going to go and try and get work from are going to require a million dollars. So mm-hmm. we're going to tell them, let's just go on it. It's not going to cost you much more, but they're going to want to see a million dollars on that certificate of insurance. Let's go on and do it. That way you don't have to come back to us and then give more money. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thank you for sharing it. What's the best way for someone who wants to get more educated on this whole field? We have uh, over 200 years of experience between our 10, 10 employees. So you can call into the office. Pretty much anybody who answers the phone is going to be able to take the information and, and point you to the right person that specializes in what you do. You can call the office at 770-717-7380. Thank you. Now, before we part, what would be, I guess, a parting word of wisdom to the business community you'd like to share? Oh, you know, just make sure you educate yourself, shop your rates, make sure that you've got what you need. 
you don't want to find out that you don't have your coverage until uh, after the claim occurs. Oh, you guys all hear from Cappy. Thank you, Cappy. Thank you. Next up, we have Jim Kubicek from My Phone One. Welcome, Jim. Hi, Anthony. How are you today? Doing good. Doing good. Now, share us a little bit of a story of how you founded Phone One and kind of your journey. Um, well, I, I guess Phone One, it started way back when. Um, I've been in telecommunications for 33 years, so it's founded more from a passion, I suppose, than a necessity. Um, but we had run a uh, managed service business doing IT for small to mid-sized business for oh seven years. Mm-hmm. And I woke up one morning and decided that wasn't for us any longer. So mm-hmm. we uh, changed our tune about three years ago, um, took a side of the business that we had that was doing phone, and decided we were going to make that a, a whole holistic business all in and of itself. Um, we were doing really good at what we were doing. Uh, we wanted to be great at what we were doing, not just good. And uh, it took more focus to really be able to get there. So um, in summation, we opened up Phone One um, as a personal necessity, I guess you could say, because we, mm-hmm. we didn't like the way that our business was going at the time. Um, that having been said, we, we founded Phone One for the business owner, obviously by a business owner, mm-hmm. with uh, several niche needs in mind for the small business one was to obviously meet the need of price for the small business owner. Uh, that's always a necessity. Uh, we're always looking at the budget as a small business owner. So that was one of the things that I knew that we needed. Um, feature sets. That was another thing. A uh, small business owner doesn't always want to be a small business owner operating from a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times we, we want those big features that we can't necessarily get that the big companies have because they have that nice, big, expensive equipment. Mm-hmm. So with, with those things in mind and a, a great lean on customer service, um, Phone One was born. And uh, we've just kind of been going that direction ever since. And that's, uh, that's where it kind of got started. Mm-hmm. So. so you mentioned about the big features. What are, I guess, kind of some of the big features that are popular in demand? Believe it or not, one of our biggest, most popular features is Call Park or Park. Uh, call parking, which is, uh, in essence, best way to describe it is hold in the cloud. Um, instead of putting a, a call on hold on your telephone, on your desktop, we put it in the cloud. And what that does is it allows uh, anybody on your account that is in that um, configuration uh, to be able to answer that or pick up that call that's on hold or park. So if I put a call on hold on my desktop and I need to send a call over to you in the next office, Anthony, um, if it's on hold on my phone, I need to to pick that up. I need to transfer the call. I need to talk to you, send the call over. And that's where calls get lost. Mm-hmm. So with call park, you've got that call. Um, or I'll, I'll take the call. They need to talk with Anthony. I'll put it on call park, which is a single button. And then at that point I can say, Hey, Anthony, you've got a call on park one, park two, whatever the case may be. Or in the same office. You pick that up with a single button and now you're talking. You haven't had that opportunity to lose that conversation, which with a small business owner, when we're talking on a sales call, we really don't want to lose that. No, no, certainly not. So that's probably one of the biggest features um, that people are most satisfied with. One of the biggest features that people are looking for as far as um, the depth of the feature would be the auto attendant. Um, A lot of businesses, um, competitors, I'll put it out that way, Mm -hmm. uh, charge extra for that. Those are features that we know the small business owner can use and greatly benefit from. So we don't charge for those extra features. Mm -hmm. Um, So voicemail, voicemail to email, um, auto attendant, uh, call waiting, find me, follow me. Those are all features that are standard in our packages. Mm -hmm. So So for for those who are not in the industry lingo, what is auto attendant? 
Um, you know, when you call into a company that says press one for sales, yeah. two for this, that is an auto attendant or some people refer to as an auto receptionist, mm-hmm. a virtual receptionist. Um, that for the small business saves you the money for hiring a receptionist to sit at the front desk and ask the same questions in order to guide your call to where it needs to go to. Mm-hmm. So it's just a, a, an electronic digital front end that saves you a lot of time and guides your clients to where they really need to go too fast. Now, some people absolutely hate it, but that's because some people abuse it. Oh. So you, you can't make it too difficult. Um, it, it's all about ease of use, no matter what you do, whether it's phones, computers, mm-hmm. or microphones. So what is kind of, I guess, the newest or hottest thing that's slowly rolling out to the market? Um, probably one of the biggest things rolling out to the business market is business SMS or texting. Mm-hmm. Um, that is really becoming um, a pertinent part of what small businesses are doing these days. Mm-hmm. A lot of the larger businesses are already doing some of it because – um, there are other organizations, competitors out there that have been around for a while, but charge a lot of money to do, um, a lot of the business texting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's become, um, second nature. Now we can take a business telephone that already exists, for example, uh, in the facilities that we're in. Uh, if we make the assumption that you have to use their phones, if you have an office in this facility, that's fine. They don't have the ability to offer texting with that telephone number. Uh, whereas example, we can take just the texting part of that part of that telephone number, bring that over to phone one and allow you now the ability to send and receive text messages on that business telephone number that you have a desk phone sitting there. Um, and it, it's regular texting, MMS messaging, um, out of that, we have autoresponders and bots. So it goes very, very deep into what we can do with texting and business nowadays. Mm-hmm. Now, is that kind of a, a big demand from people calling in or wanting to business or service? It is one of those features that people don't know they need yet. Uh, They don't really know it's there. A lot of times the conversation will start with, man, I wish I could text. I can solve that problem. And then we start talking about it. So it's really a matter of of the the business owners out there not being aware of the features that they can get on their phone systems. Mm. Now you mentioned about some of these uh, big dogs out there were were charging a lot or for particularly this feature, I'm assuming for the SMS, Mm -hmm. is that going to be like an arm and a leg for a small business owner wanting to implement some similar system? Um, No, as an add on for an existing client, we can do uh, MMS or SMS MMS for businesses for 995 a month. Mm -hmm. So very, very affordable. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have auto responders that start as little as $20 a month. So there's a, there's many options out there. Mm -hmm. So for someone that's kind of getting started, what system would be best that you would usually recommend for them? Well, we have, in regards, if you're talking systems that way, we have two flavors, if you will. We have a hosted flavor, which is our primary one. For small business, that's generally the way to go. Uh, one, they're not going to have any equipment to purchase. They're not going to have any equipment to maintain. Um, we provide the phones as far as the services go. So again, there's no equipment to own or maintain. We take care of all of that for you. Uh, the second flavor would be to own your own equipment, um, and bring in house, uh, traditional style PBX systems, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, we offer both those and we can engineer them for however you need. So we have everything from a very simple, you just need a single phone system to, we can handle a complex call center, um, with our on-premise systems, we can do everything from your door access systems to Wi-Fi to camera systems, all built into your on-premise system. So, um, again, a, a very large um, niche that we can fill, mm-hmm. um, and we can fill it all with small business pricing. Mm-hmm. 
Now, for a business owner who might just be starting out, you mentioned with the two kind of tiers, uh, do you usually find them starting with the first and then slowly growing their way into the second? Or do you recommend just because of the cost would be more efficient just going for the whole? I have never seen anyone go from hosted to an on-premise system. Mm-hmm. Um, more times than not, we'll go take an old system that they had installed, a Nortel, and NEC. They've had around for 10, 12, 15 years. Oh. Um, pull that out and replace that with a hosted system. That's mainly what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, the the ones that are wanting to put in the physical systems, um, we do try to talk them out of it. But if that's the need that they have, we, mm-hmm. we will do that for them. And we've got the package put up. So we, we have several clients here in Atlanta that want in that, that wanted the on-premise systems and we've put those in for them and they're, they're easy to maintain and they enjoy them. Um, they've got their own benefits that they, they come with them. It really depends on what you need and whether you want to own the equipment outright or, um, you believe in the cloud. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're saving them quite a bit of office space and headache. Uh, combination thereof. You have to think once you own the equipment, now you have to maintain it. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have the skill set, you need to either acquire a skill set or hire the skill set. Mm-hmm. So either way, there's additional money that comes into play. So those are all things that you don't have to worry about uh, when you go with the hosted system. It's a telephone. Mm-hmm. You pick it up and you use it. If you have questions, you push a button that we program on the phone. It comes right to our help desk and answers all the questions that you have. There's a button instead of them having to dial 1-800-whatever. We put a support button on all of our telephones. All you have to do is press one button and you get to our help desk. Oh, well, it can be any easier unless you have someone sitting there <laughs> right there in anticipation. Yep. that's uh, That goes back to offering great support. Mm-hmm. Great. So for businesses coming in, what would I guess uh, – would be one of the few things that they should be immediately be aware about when in terms of building their own phone network or communication to calls coming in or calls going out. Um, well, either way, whether it's a hosted or an on-premise system, you have to think about your call routing. Where do you want these calls to go and what's the purpose of them going to this location? Who's going to answer them? Uh, business hours. Um, that's a big thing that I talk with business owners about is like, okay, when do you want the phones to ring? And they're like, excuse me, well, when are you open? Uh-huh. You know, a lot of people just don't think about it. It's a phone. It rings. Mm-hmm. But you don't want your clients calling at 8 p.m. and the phone just ring and ring and ring and ring and ring. And then maybe eventually it goes to voicemail. Uh-huh. So those are things that you think about. You, you want to think about the convenience of your clients the same way I think about the convenience of you, Anthony. Mm-hmm. So um, those are some of the big things there. Also, your presence on the phone. Okay? Not just you, but your company's presence on the phone. When you call... What do you want them to hear? Do you want them to hear a person answer? Do you want them to hear an auto attendant answer? Do you want Susie recording your auto attendant or do you want a professional voiceover? We also have voiceovers that we offer for, through our voice store. Mm-hmm. So we have several voices, voice talents that we can use um, to be able to do that. Or you can generate your own and send that over. We can upload that into your system. So mm-hmm. however you want to do that. But it, image is a, a big thing. Voice image comes along with that. A lot of people don't think about that. Mm-hmm. So those are probably some of the biggest things that we, we face right up front. Well, you even have voice actors or people to help them record? Over 100. Oh, not aware about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are other secrets or little things that uh, other business owners are just not aware about? Um, a lot of times we will help them uh, think about their holiday schedules as well. You don't really think about that until it's, you know, it's there and it's on and it's like, oh, what are we going to do with the phones now that we're not going to be here on Christmas Day? Uh-huh. So these are things that we send out as, as part of our marketing and, and customer retention and, and just customer satisfaction. We send these out emails on a quarterly basis talking about holiday schedules, different things, especially the upcoming holidays. And we'll keep them relevant mm-hmm. to the actual time of year that we've got going on. 
And uh, that helps keep them current on what's happening and they don't forget about their phone system. <laughs> Great. So before we part, what is your word of wisdom to the business community as you're going through your journey? Don't pay for what's not working for you. <laughs> Sounds like it was almost uh, too common of a sense. <laughs> I, I have that conversation a lot. Uh, a lot. Great. Well, thank you, Jim. Certainly. And last but not least, we have Christopher Seguin and Bill Parent with Alpharetta Property Inspections. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So kind of share us uh, with your background and your story as to how you got your business started. Um, well, I'll start for now. Um, so my father-in-law, Bill Parent, has been uh, operating in a uh, successful home and handyman service for quite a while down here and had experience uh, previously in home construction and remodeling. And I'd mentioned that he wanted to start a home inspection business, and my wife and I were um, looking at uh, relocating to Georgia from Connecticut, where we're all originally from. Mm-hmm. Um, so my actual background uh, is not related in home construction at all. I actually was a paramedic in Connecticut for 15 years previous to relocating to Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was a good opportunity for me to get out of the field, um, you know, having a family and being in uh, – uh, emergency services is a challenging life to have, mm-hmm. and uh, it was certainly uh, a welcome change to relocate to both a warmer climate and uh, have a little bit more of a steady schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, so we created the business uh, last year as uh, a means of providing a family-run alternative to home inspection services with a focus on educating our clients about being responsible homeowners. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of home sales that happen around in this area, which means a lot of people are either becoming homeowners for the first time or are acquiring a new asset that they may or may not know how to maintain. Um, Georgia's pretty notorious for people relocating from other areas. So uh, we want to teach people about uh, what it means to be a responsible homeowner um, in addition to providing a smooth home inspection process. Um, so that's a little bit about me. Uh, well, like Chris said, I started in the construction field, so over the years, I've learned a lot of different practices from different trades and what to look for and quality of construction and so on. Mm-hmm. So um, my main trade when I started was designing and installing HVAC systems, mm-hmm. So, which we all have plenty of those here in Georgia, uh, heating and air conditioning, air conditioning especially. But um, so when we get to your house, we try to educate the person looking at that house as best as we can to see what they're purchasing. Mm-hmm. You know, So a lot of it is um, we encourage them to follow us through the property and we point out all the different systems that are included in the house. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, and we've had some good feedback with that. And um, Chris has some great ideas going forward as far as uh, I'll let him take that, take that over, you know, as far as um, going with the uh, ask a home professional Mm -hmm. about different questions and Mm -hmm. forums and stuff like that. So since you mentioned with a lot of people kind of moving into Georgia and all these purchases, whether it be first time home buyer or going to their next home, uh, what kind of sets you apart from all the other inspectors in the marketplace area here? 
So a lot of people aren't familiar with this, but Georgia is an unregulated state when it comes to home inspections, meaning that there's no requirement for licensure or any type of, um, you know, governmental certification process, mm-hmm. uh, which basically means in, I guess, the, the scariest of terms, anybody with a clipboard and a flashlight can become a home inspector mm-hmm. and uh, walk around and start inspecting homes. Um, typically, there's a little bit more to it, but that's just kind of a general takeaway that um, – yeah, with Georgia being unregulated, you kind of want to make sure you know what you're getting mm-hmm. from a home inspector. Um, so for us, what sets us apart is we're uh, both um, certified by the International Association of Certified Home Inspectors, or InterNACHI. They're an international organization that sets standards for home inspectors. And obviously, they're very prevalent in an area around here where it's unregulated, meaning that um, you know there's not people with uh, licenses to become home inspectors. So mm-hmm. uh, they provide us with a great framework to... Uh, provide a high quality service. They have a, a rigorous standards of practice uh, where we have to go through continuing education, uh, recurrent continuing education. We have to maintain 24 hours of continuing education annually. We have to take uh, the National Home Inspector exam and pass it every two years, um, which is a, a you know an in depth uh, testing of your knowledge. Um, and this keeps us up to date on uh, standards, uh, building standards and codes and, and changes within common building practices. Um, so between that and being a family-run service, there's a lot of franchised home inspection services in the state of Georgia, um, particularly here in the North Georgia, Metro Atlanta area. And um, for us to be able to provide a local family-run business, uh, you know, we, we both work and live in this community. We're familiar with the homes, the way they're constructed. Um, we know the variety of issues that can be present in some of the homes around here, especially the older ones. So Georgia didn't have standardized building practices or uh, a common adopted residential building code system uh, up until the early 2000s. So that means that any home that was really built prior to that was subject to the builder's own preferences, you know, and uh, it's not like we're, we're walking around finding homes that are falling apart, but basically you were at the mercy of the builder having a good foundation of building practices and uh, you know, you didn't have municipal inspectors coming out throughout all phases of construction to evaluate properties. So we do see some of the issues that result as of that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously now that Georgia has adopted standardized building codes, um, new construction properties are built way more soundly mm-hmm. and, uh, and up to the current standards. But um, regardless of, of the age of the property, it's imperative to have a good quality home inspector evaluate uh, the property. So um, between that and, um, you know, and Bill's background um, and the fact that, I mean, he's run a handyman service in, in Georgia for, for a while, uh, you know, exclusively working almost uh, entirely in the windward area, which is where he lives. And uh, um, there is not one issue that he has not seen and or fixed. Um, so we're familiar with what to look for because um, we've seen it, you know, we, we know what to expect in a home uh, based on the age of the house. So for a first-time home buyer, what is something that is involved that they should be expecting? And, and what is, I guess, the common misconceptions? So a couple of common misconceptions with home inspectors is that they are some sort of authority. Mm-hmm. Um, home inspectors do not carry any weight in terms of authority, meaning that your home inspector shouldn't be giving you like a pass or fail grade on a property Um and we are not code enforcers either. Now, we do use building codes as a frame of reference for identifying specific defects or determining what the common practice is. Mm-hmm. But a home inspector is not the final authority on um, on a home in the way that it's built. Uh, what we're providing is a professional set of eyes and recommendations on how to improve 
within certain things in the house uh, and as a benefit to the client for them to know how to maintain their home once they move into it. Um, so for example, uh, we've heard a couple of situations in the past where we we've had uh, heard about other home inspectors that can neither pass or fail a particular component of the house. Let's say a deck, you know, they don't like the way that it's built. So this deck fails. Well, that's not really the way home inspectors are meant. Our objective is to make recommendations when we find defects. Um, and ultimately, if we write a report for a home that includes a number of different issues with that home that should be corrected for a number of different reasons, there is absolutely nothing that says that anybody has to do anything about that. Um, that report stands as a, as a document for the client. They can use it as leverage within their real estate transaction to either get money off the property or to have the seller fix those particular items. Uh, but ultimately we can't enforce anything. So any uh, home inspector that feels like they have a uh, overwhelming sense of authority um, is concerning because they really should um, be advocating on the, on the part of the client and providing just a, a great source of recommendation. Um, you know, ultimately nobody has to do anything. A home inspector says we're just providing a professional set of eyes and recommendations. Mm-hmm. So let's say, for example, the kind of flipping the table would be for a seller. How would I make my home ready for an inspection? So a good thing for a seller to do to prepare to uh, have a home inspector through their home is, first of all, make sure that all of the services or the components, rather, in the home that require annual maintenance have had that annual maintenance done. The most common thing that we see are poorly maintained HVAC systems. HVAC systems require, at the minimum, annual maintenance. And most HVAC companies actually require or, or recommend rather biannual maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what we want to see is that some professional set of HVAC trained eyes have been on that particular system or component within the last 12 months or so. Um, any system that we go into where we see dirty filters that haven't been changed, dirty air filters that haven't been changed, or we don't typically see uh, not all, now, not all, um, HVAC companies do this, but some leave like a sticker on the HVAC unit with a log, you know, who, who came out here last, what was the date? Um, and granted, the absence of that doesn't necessarily mean that no one's been there, but the fact that we do see that sometimes, it means that, okay, through some sort of interval, there have been professional eyes on this equipment throughout its life, and that means that we can reasonably assume that it's been maintained appropriately. And we'll see that when we open it up and fire it up. If it doesn't work or if there's, you know, aspects of it that are malfunctioning, um, it's typically as a result of, of poor maintenance. So uh, things like that, um, decluttering a home, you know, making sure that things are accessible. There's a lot of critical components we need to access, the electrical panel, uh, the water heater, the uh, the power, you know, the, the electrical meter in the home. So all those different things, if there's a lot of clutter in front of it, um, it's difficult for us to evaluate it. As home inspectors, we're not required to move um, personal belongings of the seller to access certain things. So if there's a car parked in front of the electrical meter or a giant shelving system parked in front of the, um, in front of the electrical panel in the garage, we're not going to disassemble that to take the dead front cover off of the panel and evaluate the, the wiring of it. So ensuring that everything is accessible uh, for a home inspector, and then just making sure that you are uh, keeping up on all your home maintenance related items. So let's say for a new buyer that's going through this new experience. Uh, what does, I guess the couple two or three things they should be keeping an eye out for before bringing you guys in? 
Well, so uh, I mean, uh, you're talking about like if as a buyer going through their yes. home mm-hmm. buying process. So obviously, the, the number one concern that we see in this area is water. Water is uh, is an enormous uh, problem with homes. Uh, so whether it be roof leakage or um, you know foundation related water issues, um, Georgia gets a lot of rain, especially in this area, and uh, it's imperative that um, when people are looking at their home, they're making sure that water is diverted as far away from the property as possible. A lot of rain falls on your roof, and that means a lot of rain ends up in your gutters. And you want to make sure that that water is being diverted away from the property mm-hmm. far enough so that it's not going to come back in. Um, and uh, it's just it, probably one of the most, you know, the, one of the biggest problems that we see is uh, is water damage. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from that, uh, you know, structurally, there are only a few things that I think uh, tip people off when they're walking through a house. Um People are generally pretty concerned about cracks and foundations. Uh, I think there's a mis- misunderstanding about what those cracks really mean. A lot of homes settle over the course of the time that they're they're there. Um, you know, cracks that are that are uh, smaller than a, a, a quarter inch of spacing are, are really not of a concern. Uh, you know, some people point out you know superficial things and and um, you know and, and they interpret them as being much bigger or major issues than they really are. Um, but for new home buyers or even repeat home buyers are a uh, big thing when we get to the property is um, obviously we go through our standard routine of, of inspecting the house, but we also, you know, we want to hear from them. Okay. They've probably seen the house one or two times with their realtor. What are some of the things that they saw that might be concerning? Did they see a water stain, you know, here up on the ceiling or did they see you know, something else that kind of tipped them off? And so that way we can help either put their mind at ease if it's not a big issue or evaluate it and determine whether or not it is a major issue, which could, you know, change the way the transaction goes. Mm-hmm. So kind of share with us uh, on the last topic, you mentioned uh, regarding to your new campaign of a social media segment called ask a home pro. Right. So um, a little while back we were uh, sought out by one of the editors of the windward breeze publication, which is a local publication for the windward community of about 2,800 homes. Mm-hmm. And um, they had uh, asked us to do a segment, um, a published segment that they were going to, um, you know, routinely publish in their uh, in their magazine where people could uh, have a Q and A segment with a with a home inspector or a home pro, and uh, we thought that it would probably be more beneficial to have a larger target audience. And social media is a great great way to do that. So we actually um, are partnering up with a couple of other local home professionals here and launching an interactive web web segment on Facebook uh, called Ask a Home Pro. And it's a it's going to be a Q and A based home maintenance segment. So if you have a question about something in your house, uh, whether it be a related issue, an electrical related issue, uh, an HVAC related issue. We're going to, we're going to bring in professional, um, people in those departments. Uh, one of our primary partners is Dr. Ken Hughes, who's the, uh, owner of Milton Mechanical Services. Um, so we're going to have, uh, a conduit for people to, to be able to ask home professionals questions without having to, let's say, arbitrarily ask these questions on things like next door or call around, uh, service places or, you know, ask a friend, Hey, do you, know a guy who knows a guy who's a plumber or an electrician. Uh, these are going to be real local reputable home professionals that can come on and answer people's questions that they have about home maintenance. We want to be able to provide a good avenue for people to be responsible and um, knowledgeable homeowners. So, you know, how frequently do you need to be changing the air filter in the HVAC system? Um, you know, how, how frequently do you need to look at um, your, you know, water supply system? How frequently do you need to evaluate the age of your hot water heater or how efficiently it's working. 
Um, there's lots of components in the home that people, I think, take for granted. And if they just work, they work, and that's fine. Um, but many of those components could last a tremendous, uh, you know, tremendously more time if they were properly maintained and if people, you know, knew how to do that. So um, we're hoping that this is just going to provide a, a great way for people to interact with, um, you know, both real professionals and people who work and live in their communities that can um, not only will they be able to provide advice, but then, you know, if that advice doesn't um, doesn't turn into the solution they're looking for, then you can call these professionals and they'll come to your house and they'll, they'll help you fix the problem. So, so I guess the next question would be for new homeowners coming in with this new experience, not familiar with all this maintenance and even knowing that there's a maintenance schedule for HVAC systems and everything else. What I guess the question would be is, what are the top two or three things homeowners should be aware about just to maintain their home? Things that they're just not aware about. Right. Yes. Um, well, so um, the, bi- the big one is going to be HVAC. Um, it's probably the most critical component that requires annual maintenance in a home. Um, and it also requires constant eyes throughout the course of the year. So, you know, when the summer months hit and people's air conditioning systems are running nonstop, um, those filters that are in your air conditioning system, they get clogged up much much quickly or, or much faster when the uh, the system is running more frequently. Mm-hmm. So they need to be changed at a more frequent interval than people probably think. And there are a lot of really cool different ways that you can remind yourself or a lot of, you know, interesting technology that's out there that can help benefit. There's things like uh, air filter home delivery services. So, um, you know, you can plug in your, your, uh, your filter requirement, what you want out of a filter, and they'll deliver it to your house on a specific schedule. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to know, but you just know when the air filter shows up in the mail, it's time to put that one in. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, having people come out and evaluate how these systems are functioning is, is, you know, really important. Um, and, uh, we're looking forward to having someone like, uh, Dr. Ken Hughes on, on the segment, cause he is a big proponent of, uh, people being more cognizant about home maintenance and HVAC maintenance. Mm. Um, and that really prolongs the life of these units. He doesn't want people constantly dumping money into new systems. Mm-hmm. Some old systems can last a lot longer if they're properly maintained. And uh, he's a big proponent of that. Between that and air quality, which is another big uh, big thing that he is interested in talking about, which we're very much interested in in uh, you know, showing that to people about, about how they can really evaluate and improve their indoor air quality in their home. Great. Before part, what is, I guess, your words of wisdom you'd like to give and provide to the business community as you're going through your journey? Well, as far as home inspections are concerned, as a prospective home buyer, if you are going to get a home inspection, do your research and do your homework. A lot of realtors will refer you business that they um, that they have dealt with before and home inspectors that they've dealt with before. And that's fine. We get a lot of realtor referrals as well, and we always appreciate it. Um, but doing your own homework and um, there's, there's a lot of options to choose from. So make sure that your home inspectors are certified by somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, Internachi and ASHI, that's A-S-H-I, are the two major certification bodies in the United States. Um, so you typically want to see those emblems or those certifications somewhere. Um, and uh, yeah, ask around, call your home inspector that you're looking to hire and ask some questions. That's one of the things that we benefit from the most uh, aside from just the client experience of learning about their home mm-hmm. is we answer their questions before we come out there, ask all the questions you want about what to expect from a home inspector. Um, and if you have a home inspector that doesn't give you the time of day, then you know you might want to consider something else. Great. So how can best someone uh, find you? So we're uh, accessible via the web at inspectoralpha.com. 
uh, where people can actually book inspections right online. Uh, you can also call us at 770-913-6214. And uh, we have a Facebook presence at well, facebook.com slash Inspector Alpha. Great. Thank you, Chris and Bill. Thanks. Thank you. Well, this show is sponsored and brought to you by yours truly, Anthony Chen with Lighthouse Financial Network. Securities and advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., RIA, member FINRA, SIPC, RIA, and separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here or independent of RAA. The main office's address is at 575 Broad Hollow Road, Melville, New York, 11747. You can best reach me at 631-465-9090 at extension 5075 or best by email at just my full name, Anthony Chen, C-H-E-N at LFN, LLC.com. Thank you for listening. Looking forward to next time.